This podcast is being recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and acknowledge their ongoing connection to land, waters and culture. Colonisation and genocide are ongoing processes that are still happening today. Sovereignty was never ceded and this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Hey, and welcome back to Ozpol Snackpod, the podcast that's kind of like Carbonara. We're white and hammy. That's right, news fans. Welcome back to the podcast that serves you up bite-sized chunks of Australian news and politics with a side of crispy memes. We're also the official podcast of the Ozpol shitposting meta group. Hey, yo. Hey, oh, that's news. My name is Zach the Snack, and with me, as always, is my co-host. It's me, Noon. Um, yeah, no, it's still going to be Facebook, the, the brand. All the brands are staying the same. It's just a corporate restructure so that Zuck isn't culpable for any of what they do. Oh, great. That sounds positive for humankind. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, Zuck's a human, so positive for him. <laughs> mm, I'm going to get a lot statement. of uh, splashback on that one, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he may be responsible for... Uh, an enormous amount of human immiseration, mm, but he's still mm-hmm. technically a member of the species. Mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, how you doing today, Noon? Plenty of fucking news. Oh yeah, it's been it? a newsy little time. It's been a newsy week. It, this is probably going to be a long episode. Yeah, I reckon. We've got a we've got a dance notes doc open, mm. ready, raring to go. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been buckled down. It's been a bit... Oh, look, it's been a bit of a rough note-writing morning for me, I'll admit. Oh, yeah? What's... Why? Oh, I was just out hitting the Dan Andrews last night, and oh, no. know, I'm, I'm pretty hungover. Yeah. Got a bit of a Dan-over. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm. So... Just must stay at home. Thanks again, Dictator Dan. If it weren't for you, I would have been out, wouldn't have been out blasting cigs at the local last <laughs> night. So. <laughs> uh, damn that. Dictator. Yeah. <laughs> Um, he knows what he did. Cool. Well, you know, speaking of the Victorian state government, should we get stuck into our uh, our news? Let's do it. Can I offer you one of these, sir? No, no. Take it away at once. All right. What are we not talking about this week, Noon? We're not talking about Crown Casino. Um, oh, tell me more. Well, uh, they've been having a rough couple of years after some of their crimes were made public. Um, and, yeah, so they were made subject to an inquiry, which in February uh, found, like February this year, found that they were not fit to hold a casino license in New South Wales. Um, but, of course, Crown Casino is in Victoria. So that prompted the Victorian government uh, mm. to hold a royal commission, uh, being like, well, if they're not allowed there, maybe they shouldn't be allowed here. Mm. It doesn't reflect super well on us that we have repeatedly found them super fit to hold a casino here in victoria when you're less like regulatorily capable than the new south wales state it's government not a good look no. yeah it's not so a good look the commission released this report earlier this month uh and they found that yes crown should not have a license um i spent way too long on this joke so i'm gonna do it even though it's not that strong but it was a bit of a you know simpsons betty ford clinic the musical situation um uh the jury you know 
They're guilty of cheating and scamming and lying, financial malfeasance and corporate spying, bribing officials and criminal incitement. And that's just page one of our ten-page indictment. <laughs> wow. And then the judge... Uh, oh, there's more. <laughs> I should cancel your license for all the crimes that we know. But this is Australia and you're a casino. casino. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listeners, I had no idea this was coming. Yeah, I I just kind of like hummed it <laughs> to myself once at like 10 a.m. this morning. I was like, well, I can't do anything else now. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's the Dan over speaking, but that's, <laughs> that really tickled me. I'm glad you liked it. I, I'm glad it hit because uh, you know, uh, I have a history of writing extremely cringe songs. So, uh, yeah. Um, I'm going to need a minute to fucking collect myself after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm enjoying the laughter. It's great, it's great for my ego. Yeah. Please go on. Yeah, well, this is pretty much what happened. Um, the 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 government the government regulators like they should not have a license. We are canceling it uh, two years from now. Um, so they have two years to prove that they're super chill dudes. Um, the state is also uh, passing some new legislation that will allow them to appoint a special manager who will be one Stephen O'Brien, um, who is a former anti-corruption guy. Um, mm. And he's basically going to run the casino for the next two years to try to unfuck the crimes. Um, right. So he basically will have a government guy doing all of the money laundering. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. Um, so, you know, he'll basically be able to say, to veto any board decision and also force them to pass anything. And also, um, there's like special laws that mean that Crown can't sue the government for loss of profits because of this, which I think is a very sensible, uh, you know, writer to put in there. So, yeah, uh, yeah. get out ahead of that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for um, not telling us about that story. You're Aaron. welcome. Here's another story. That it would have been a lot about. shorter if I hadn't sung that song. <laughs> Look, I think the song was quite was a high point. info dense. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks. Yeah. <laughs> And this, yeah, it was good. It's scanned and everything. Anyway, the next thing we're not going to talk about is um, voter ID laws. So the government has introduced a bill that will require voters to show ID on election day when you mm -hmm. show up to the polls. Obviously, in Australia, voting is compulsory. Everybody has to do it, but you don't have to show ID. You just give them mm. your name and or address from mm. memory, and they're like, yeah, sure, off you go. Uh, Pauline Hanson says that this was her idea. And that she's had a, quote, gutful of the co coalition copying her homework. I um, hate it when I get my policy passed by the government. <laughs> That's because I all of my policy is, is for the public good and not just for my own personal self-aggrandizement. Mm, yes. Um, this was like it was a trade for her vote on another bill, which I'm pretty sure was about making it harder to register an independent political party so like cool, cool trading <laughs> cool trade guys um labor have said they will oppose this well bill. good yeah uh so you know take mm -hmm. where you can get it uh but yeah you know the th whole thing about this is that election fraud is basically a non-issue in this yeah. in, in australia here's a quote from the guardian the australian electoral commissioner tom rogers has said the evidence of multiple voting is quote vanishingly small mm -hmm. got another quote here from an article published by the university of new south wales Senior politics lecturer Dr. Lindy Edwards said voter fraud is not a significant problem in Australia. 
There were only Mm. 19 instances of double voting at the last federal election, and it was due to issues like people with dementia who had forgotten they had voted. So I think that pretty much sums it up. Yep. Um, It happened roughly twice per state. Um, (laughs) At least some of those were because of disability. Just accidents, yeah. 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 Uh, So, why is the coalition doing this? Well, a lot of commentators have posited that it's just an import of US culture wars, um, which, like, sure. sure. Well, yeah, okay, so I've also seen this line a lot in the the Mm. commentariat, that it's like, oh, we're copying Trump. But Mm. that doesn't make as much sense to me, because say what you will about Morrison, he is not a Trump. Um, He's very different in a lot of ways. Mm. And... um, like, I think he's more concerned about people, them winning the election on a narrow margin and people being like, oh, this was election fraud. Um, mm. Like, well, if you're going to run the line that, like, this is about the recent thing in America, I would say that's what it's about. That would be a better motivation. Rather than, than like I'm copying, copying, tr- copying Trump's failed tactic that he did after he lost that didn't get him in anywhere. Like, maybe they think that there's some, like, QAnon voters who are currently voting independent or for One Nation or whatever who might have some kind of, like, free association, like, oh, Trump. with Like, sure, but I don't know how many maybe, of them there are. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that it's a particularly convincing argument no. because the coalition's been trying to do this for ages. Right. They tried after 2013 elections, 2016 elections, right. 2019 elections. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't know. know that. Yeah, that's... Uh... Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> right. this, it's not Damn, that's some lazy fucking journalism in that case. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the people's... Uh, the, 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 the sort of position is... Yeah, they've wanted this for a while, but, like, it's definitely influenced by the fact that it's become a point of, like, mainstream conversation mm-hmm. um, post-2020 uh, in the States. And that while the government did want to bring it in at those other times, it never actually brought a bill to Parliament. So it's never been voted on before. Right. Uh, as far as I know. So, you know, I mean, the other bit of analysis going around that this is the first step towards disenfranchisement, mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. know that that is a, a, a tried and tested right-wing strategy, and again, Republicans in the states being the mm-hmm. obvious example of that, making it much more difficult for people from marginalized communities to vote. But again, in Australia, it doesn't really work quite the same way as it does in the states because of the compulsory voting. Right, right. I think... I don't know. It seems to me to be just basically a non-issue um, that the government is trying to whip up a little bit of fear about. Um, and I think in general, like dismantling public trust in elections and interest in elections is is in their interest. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yep. And I'll finish off here with another quote from that University of New South Wales article, which um, I think sort of sums the issue up pretty well. In Australia, where voting is compulsory, voter ID laws are unlikely to achieve significant voter suppression. However, it will make voting more stressful, time-consuming, and unpleasant mm. for key groups, including Indigenous Australians, migrant women, and people experiencing homelessness. Yeah, I'm not so, sure I have any valid ID. There you go. Well, good luck voting in the next election, bro. Yeah. All right, one more story we're not talking about for five to ten minutes. Um... <laughs> Michael Lunig has been partially fired from his job cartooning at The Age after he posted on Instagram a drawing of one of his sad boys being Tank Man from the Tiananmen Square photo, but instead of a, like, tank Gun weapon, it's a giant 
uh, syringe, presumably with a vaccine. Containing COVID vaccine. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's... Yeah, he submitted it and it was knocked back. So he posted it on Insta. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just the most what, like boring and uninsightful cartoon I've seen for a long time. It's like impressively scraping ahead of like Ben Garrison, who at least his artworks usually have some like... <laughs> level of skill and creativity yeah exactly they're entertaining this is just like it's just it's it's like the rest of his shit it's so fucking like mawkish and poor me like yeah it's it's just yeah his his self-interested navel gazing moping is so fucking boring yep Get a job. Well, as a result, the Ages editor called him to say he's getting taken off the Monday editorial cartoon, which is good. Um, But he'll still be doing the weekend lifestyle cartoon, which I think is generally more like sad duck and less like reactionary politics. But um, (laughs) a bit more the Age slash Sydney Morning Herald fridge calendar. Yes. I I don't know if he's still going to have that deal but i wouldn't be surprised mm. um but <clears throat> i think that my, this is my analysis hat now that this has happened he's likely to try to piss them off um and get himself the other 50 percent fired mm. um because obviously he's a free speech warrior who's standing up for justice in a pc world gone mad so yeah. you know what else is he meant to do uh yeah he also got to stand up for the right of weirdos to make strangely oblique references to social issues that are both confusing and enraging at the same time. And potentially like half a century old. Um, yeah, so Lunig sucks uh, for a variety of reasons, much bigger and ongoinger than this cartoon, which I don't want to go into now, but I think it's kind of shitty that this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, it shows that the age is only interested in covering yeah. their asses and don't care that he's a bad person. Yeah. yeah. Even a cursory look into his history reveals some very, very dark and upsetting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, but this actually brings us to the first of several shitposts of the week. So why didn't we hit that sting, Zach? <laughs> it's the first of a few shitposts of the week. Yeah. So this one's from Megan. Uh, over on Ospol shitposting, um, who said, should I apply for Lunig's job now that he's been fired? Um, <laughs> and it is a, a Lunig-esque drawing, which I think that Meg has done themselves, as far as I can tell. This is, like, all originally hand-drawn. Cause it looks it, like it to me. Yeah, it's definitely, like, big-nosed Lunig guys, but also with, you know, their own... Angle on it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and uh, the, the guy says, am I so out of touch? No, it's the readership who are wrong. Uh, which is a nice. I love when memes get hand drawn or like you know drawn, and then this is like a drawn thing, but it's you put a meme in there. It's great. It's good. Good stuff, Meg. And you should apply for the job. They are well. They are canvassing for new. They're they're, they're taking the applications. Yeah, uh, they might have closed already, but to send it in a, an application, why not? Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to our first actual story? Let's do it. <laughs> Positivity. Yeah, okay. So, Positivity Corner, there's been more ICAC updates, and it's been hilarious drama. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so both Daryl Maguire and Gladys Berejiklian took the witness stand at ICAC um, this week, so obviously they were going to always be the two juiciest witnesses. Um, And there has been some good drama, but in my opinion, 
it really reinforces my view that this is like a, a pointless show trial with no outcome, like no meaningful outcomes attached. Mm. Yeah, because uh, Daryl's are he, he already got done. Yeah, yeah. and well, look, my take. I was going to do it at the end of the re- recap, but whatever. My take is that this trial or this witness business is Gladys's punishment. Uh, or like she's already resigned. So partly it was that, but it's basically like you were a powerful woman who had sex and now we're going to fucking embarrass you about it on the front pages for several weeks. Not to say that like, she wasn't also doing corrupt shit and it's a legit investigation, but like she's never going to be actually copying any punishment for the things that she did that are being investigated here. So it's a purely social punishment and it's purely on the level of deep embarrassment. Um, Yeah. Nothing that will stop her seeking election for a different political post in the future. For sure. Or being appointed to a non-elected diplomacy post, whatever. Anyway, that said, it's been a lot of very fun drama. So let's do a drama roundup. I took some notes, but Zach, you've got some uh, some scripts here that you thought we could um, perform. So wh- why don't we do those? And uh, Yeah, and I have a little bit of ICAC theatre. I thought it'd be fun. Fabulous. I've just pulled these directly from the ICAC exhibit, which was uh, typed records of uh, Gladys and Daryl's phone conversations. Right. All but one of these are from the same conversation. Okay. Just so you know. So, Noon, you'll be playing the role of Berejiklian, and I'll be playing the role of Maguire. Okay. You in character? I know you're already warmed up. Yeah. From singing your that song. That musical earlier. number. Yeah. 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 Uh, All right. <clears throat> Hello. Hi, Hawkus. What are you doing? I just got home. Oh, really? Oh. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just sitting here, uh, cooking a bit of pasta, got the fire going, watching the news. Oh, you sound very uh, excited in your voice. What's happened today? Oh, what's happened? Hocus, what's happened is I've been subpoenaed to go to ICAC. Summoned to go to ICAC, so that's exciting. What? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. And then uh, here's another bit from later on, and I, I'm going to beep. There's some uh, slurs in here, which uh, I'm not going to play on air. I'll, I'll censor them out. You know what? Constituents use you every day. People use you every day, right? You bear your ass to the world every day, right? For people to raise funds to you, to come to your fundraisers, to fucking well vote for you, to man your booths. We become pr- mm. pr- You have a good long hard think about it, Hocus. Uh. We have become fucking harlots and pr- through no fault of our own because of these, you know, rules of transparency, you know, of arm's length, not uh. talking to this person or that person or bloody ICAC or everything else. Hmm... Uh, here's another bit. Uh, and Big Brother, you know, they can they can tap into every phone conversation there is. Absolutely <laughs> unfettered power. No one has any privacy. They could probably actually listen to any calls that were being made between me and this phone and any individual that I choose to talk to, including you. Is that going to be a problem? Why? What have you done? Nothing. Correct. Uh, and then uh, here's my favorite one. Uh-huh. <laughs> They've invited all these people to shake hands and suck dicks. They're all that fucking shit scared of me now. Fuck them. They can get fucked. They better get <laughs> off their fat asses and make something happen. Mmm. By the way, and every time that Noon goes, mmm, that's in the script. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm imagining Gladys... Look, 
I go back and forward on what I think their relationship was like or how engaged in it she was. But, like, this just sounds to me like her being like, uh, why am I dating this guy? And, like, yeah. chopping some onions or whatever and just being like, yeah. Reading the, <laughs> the transcript of the phone call is pretty... It's, it, it, you, it, it's full body cringe because he's yeah. just basically going on this totally unhinged, incoherent rant mm-hmm. and, like, admitting to doing lots of dodgy stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then she That's just That's just fucking politics, man. It's just fucking politics, you know? <laughs> and she's just on the other end being like, yeah, um, hmm And the only time she speaks is when she's like, yeah, but you didn't do that illegal thing, right? Or, you know, or, or whatever. Yeah. So she, you know, it's, and it's the same thing that, that has been clear from the get-go, which is like, she's very aware of all of the various dodgy shit that he's involved with. Right. Um, and is careful not to like, sort of implicate herself in it but like she knew yeah so the main thing the, the thrust of the questioning that has the ICAC people have been doing they're, they're trying to find out why she didn't register him or her relationship with him mm. in the register of interests which is where MPs are supposed to say, I have a financial interest in this, or I have some kind of relationship with this. And so uh, one of the key things that got talked about a lot was that she has two cousins who work in the public service, and she registered both of them in the register of interests. Mm. And they were like, well... Clearly you knew this was a thing that should be done. Right. And she said, basically, well, it's their, like, livelihood, and... I don't want people to think that I'm promoting them or giving them special nepotistic treatment um, because that would be bad for them, basically. And But that also applies for Daryl. Like, his job also relies on you making decisions as the premier or treasurer at the time. So, like, no. Like, that doesn't fly as far as I'm concerned. But, like, that's been a major point of contention. And so Gladys has been trying to be, like, well, yeah, of course, we talked about marriage and kids and stuff, but, like, it wasn't serious, because then she can say that she didn't need to put it on the thing mm, without disputing any of the things that he said, like the fact that they're going, we talked about marriage and having kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, you know, also we use that word hocus. Uh, I, I might be saying that wrong, but, yeah... I, that was a kind of a phlegm bit. That wasn't me trying to do a hurt. It's just hocus, I think. But yeah, which is an Armenian word that means my soul, apparently. But it's just like honey it's a or whatever. Name. Yeah, yeah, and like, and all. That's been a big deal. They're like, oh, they're using this Armenian word. She must have really like invited him into a culture, and they must have been so intimate. And it's like, <laughs> no. The first time you hook up with someone, you say something funny, and that becomes a pet name. Or like, not always, but like that. That, in my opinion, has no bearing on the... No, whatever. but it does make the transcripts funnier. It does. It does. Um, yeah. Okay, so but w- another thing that I think is, again, kind of juicy, but also kind of not that... As as juicy as it's being made out to be, <laughs> Gladys is like, oh, yeah, I got that $140 million for you. And he's like, it's 170 And she's like, yeah, 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 whatever. And... <laughs> I think it's the 140 million bit there that's dodgy, but everyone's like, oh, he was just like, give me extra money. And she was like, yeah, sure thing, baby, or whatever. But like, when you <laughs> listen to it, she is clearly 
completely disinterested yeah. and is not across it and is just means like whatever the number is in the email or whatever she's like yeah she's like the 170 or the 140 he's like 170 she's like, yeah yeah whatever we got it is the point <laughs> and like yeah that's dodgy but it, like the the negotiation over it isn't as dodgy as that seems but like yeah another thing that she's been saying is basically like all of this stuff of like pushing to get projects approved and so on Mm. she does it for everyone in her government Mm. and it's completely normal and a lot of uh, that's basically what all the public servants who have been on uh, in the witness stand have said as well Mm. they've said that essentially all of this funding would have ended up in exactly the same place anyway but that she should have disclosed this relationship so that she would have not been involved in the decision-making process, basically. Mm. So everyone admits that pretty much there was a small miscarriage of procedure, or not admits, she doesn't admit that, but everyone else thinks (laughs) that there was a small miscarriage of procedure that isn't a big deal, basically. Mm. And I think that the only viable solution for ICAC for this particular issue is a rule that makes politicians disclose when they're sleeping with each other. And there is no chance that that is going to happen. Um, mm. because, okay, and I've got a couple of points Even about when, this. Even when, in this case, it was very obviously in Gladys's interest to do so. Yeah, well, she... that's the thing, is that it's, like, personal. And it's like, well, I don't want to have to tell the entire country that me and fucking... Tony Abbott got drunk one night. Or well, like yeah, that's it's basically totally unenforceable. You know, it's on yeah, the same yeah, level. Well, we as had like... the bunk ban, remember? Well, and that say, wasn't even because of corruption. That was because of Christian fucking Porter. Um, but everyone laughed at it and said it was a terrible idea. Which probably both of those things are valid. Oh, well, I thought that was over Vicky Campion, and or uh... oh, and Barnaby. Yeah, well, it was. But there was also Alan Tudge and yeah, um... and look, I. Another reason that I think this is not going to produce any cultural change is that not a, literally not a single politician has come forward since this affair became public last year to announce their own relationships with other politicians on the Register mm. of Interests. And there is a 0% chance that this is the only parliamentary hookup, which means that for the last year and certainly like last two months, there are probably like a couple of dozen politicians around the country waking up every day next to their secret boyfriend or whatever and deciding not to announce it because they know that they're going to have all of this same shit happen to them um yeah so like i don't know on the other hand it seems like what the public servants at the hearings are saying is that if gladys had been honest about the relationship from the get-go that she wouldn't be at icac right now right but politicians aren't strategic they're yeah no i mean better to better to believe that you can just get away with everything without having to be honest about it at all. I think she was embarrassed about her relationship with him. I would be. Yeah. And like, and like people often say that in a really horrible way as judgmental about her, whatever you can have a shitty relationship with a shitty dude. It's not an important part of the analysis of the situation and whether or not she behaved in a corrupt manner or whether we should feel sorry for her for dating a dud. Right. But like, the guy obviously fucking sucks. Yeah, just and fucking how sucks fucking, so much. It's there's no chance that even the most strategic fucking Anthony Albanese, whatever game playing party machine politician, 
will write down their embarrassing hookup on the official register. <laughs> like, this is just it's not going to happen. And so this whole thing is, like, essentially total nothing. Yeah, what's going to come out of it, yeah. Anyway. Nothing, nothing meaningful. That This was supposed to be a pause corner because it's been juicy and hilarious. Um, so I yeah, did, I, I suggested about that it just because I, la- I was laughing at the phone yeah, record so much. And it was very funny. So, yeah, there you go. That's the pause corner. Take it where you can get it. Shall we move on? Well, let's move on to our First Nations uh, story for this week. And um, just briefly, I'll mention that uh, more than half of Indigenous people are now double vaccinated, Mm -hmm. um, which is obviously good in the sense that it's progress, but uh, not nearly good enough compared Mm -hmm. to the general population, you know, which we're at 76% Mm -hmm. of 16 um, 16 years old and over over, um, being double vaxxed. So, yeah, I mean, the same old story in terms of uh, yeah, the rollout being totally mm, botched mm-hmm. in Indigenous communities, but progress is happening, so worth mentioning. Um, but our main First Nations story for this week is about um, in- Indigenous arts funding, kind of. So last week, the federal government announced a National Indigenous Visual Arts Action Plan, which mm-hmm. includes $5 million of new funding on top of $22 million of existing funding mm-hmm. uh, for Indigenous artists in regional and remote areas and uh, it has other things in it, like improving internet connections right, right. Uh, for remote Indigenous artists, and and like helping to negotiate royalties deals with overseas buyers and this kind of thing. I think I read an article. I can't remember where it was. Maybe Indigenous, I'm not sure. But um, mm. about someone basically being like, "Well, it's really good that they're doing this internet connection thing, but I'm not sure why it's in arts funding. That just seems like a basic." infrastructure government job <laughs> but like good but yeah what? i mean there's a lot of, there's a bit about this that is a little bit weird yeah um because like yeah as you say cool sure that all seems fine and good and yeah. it's like been welcomed by indigenous artist collectives uh-huh. and the funding will provide more gallery and studio spaces cool. you know that's great but this announcement does nothing to address the main issue affecting indigenous artists according to indigenous artist collectives sure um so APY Art Center Collective is a group of 10 indigenous-owned and governed enterprises on Anangu, Pitanjara, and Yankunjara country, which is in the northwest of so-called South Australia. So I've got a quote here from Sky O'Mara, who's the general manager of the APY Art Collective. Our biggest challenge in the industry remains unethical and unscrupulous private dealers that are based in Alice Springs. Mm. They are the single biggest threat to APY artists and to the community-owned art centers. So... Unsurprisingly, private dealers uh, dealing with indigenous artists do a bunch of really dodgy shit. Mm-hmm. And some of, you know, from fairly obvious stuff like selling fake artworks mm. up to uh, the most heinous thing called, which is a practice called carpet bagging, mm. where basically these white men indenture indigenous artists claiming that they owe them massive debts and then they force them to paint to pay off these debts. It's fucked. Which is just the most disgusting it's just just awful absolutely awful and uh according to amara the new action plan does nothing to address this issue which requires immediate and focused Mm. attention so this is something that the apy collective has been trying to get something done about for ages Mm. in 2019 they sent a letter to the federal minister for indigenous australians ken wyatt Mm -hmm. here's a quote from it our art centers are creating meaningful employment for our family members and are the only source of non-government income in our communities. 
We will do what is required to protect our art centres, but at the moment we are sitting ducks and we are going it alone. We need government support to stop this insidious behaviour by money-hungry, self-interested private dealers. Um, so after they sent Wyatt that letter, he asked the National Indigenous Australians Agency for what he described as an urgent update on the mm-hmm. situation. And they, they advised him basically that a mandatory code of conduct should be introduced for all art dealers who handle Indigenous artworks. So currently there's a voluntary code which sort of has things in it about treating artists, you know, fairly and, and with respect, uh, but it doesn't apply to private dealers who don't sign up to the code, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So last year, Wyatt said, it is my intention and that of Minister Fletcher, who's the Minister for Arts, and he um, was sure. the one who announced this funding package last week, uh, to make sure that we deal with this issue. So he, you know, basically came out and said, yeah, we're committed to fixing it. And now this has been announced, and it's a bit like these uh, artist collectors are being like, hey, please, we really, really need help with this widespread exploitation. And the government is like, sure thing. Here's a bit more funding and an internet connection. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to, like, doing anything to actually deal deal with with the practice, Mm -mm. uh, you know, or the exploitation. This is such a classic fucking coalition liberal party move is to do something in the same area as a problem yeah but like i don't understand why they don't want to try to deal with this you know like like I I know every week we come here and we talk about them being bad people, but at least <laughs> usually that has some kind of self-interest attached mm. to it. I don't think anyone in cabinet is like chumming around with these fucking carpet baggers. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but like I don't think any of them are like that deeply involved. <laughs> indigenous communities like to be involved in like abusing them so personally but like like what they gain nothing from not dealing with this like with climate change they get votes or whatever like no one ah oh. like i know yeah. there's so many other levels on which to be outraged about this on but it's just like they always pick the most evil option even when there's no reason to and i don't fucking get it yeah it's definitely a bit of a head scratcher. I think, as you say, I mean, it's just a matter of like effort, right? And mm. one of the, you know, I mean, they, they, this government and all colonial governments mm. put the absolute bare minimum effort possible into, you know, improving quality of life for indigenous people of this continent. And the, the option of just like, yeah, you know, have a little bit more money. There we go. Yeah. Stroke of the pen. And we can say something about, oh, we're supporting artists through, you know, internet connections or whatever. And then, uh, and bada bing, bada boom, you've got a good press release. Yeah. Right? You know, th- actually dealing with this problem it is going to involve quite a lot of collaboration with with indigenous, indigenous art collectives and art communities. Collectives. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's going to be a long process and, and difficult yeah. because this is like an entrenched practice. I guess it would also involve believing people when they said that they were victims of crimes, which obviously isn't Yeah, I mean, really like, let's possible. not even get into, like, the Northern Territory Police's attitude about yeah. this whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure it would come as a surprise mm-hmm. to no one. 
So yeah. Anyway, um, that's fucked. Yeah, it's it, it is, and it's it's sad that it, it's like any time that there's some minorly positive thing that the government announces in you know when it comes to indigenous people, that also then there has to be like a ten minute caveat. So he's a band aid covering over a gaping wound. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but on that note, uh, why don't we move on now to our next story? AC. Yeah, so, um, oh, well, I went on uh, Cam Wilson's stream this week, uh, which is really nice. You did? Ca- Cameron Wilson, internet journalist, reporter over at Crikey, and does other things, including a twice-weekly Ospol stream called Onliners, which is hilarious. Uh, and he invited me on this week, which was great, uh, and had a lovely yeah. time. And You did uh, a great job. Thank you. I really um, enjoyed watching it. I was like, hey, that's my co-host. Yeah. He's out really there nice. being informed and informative. That's lovely to hear. Yeah, it was really nice to get that feedback. And a bunch of people uh, followed me on Twitch, which was sweet. Um, Yeah, but uh, you you can go watch that. Maybe we'll post a link to that in the show notes. You can go watch it over on his uh, Twitch channel if you want to hear me talking about this and some other stuff some more. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I talked about uh, this story, which is about Brett Guerin, um, a giant asshole who I heard on John Fain's show many, many times. He was the former head of police ethics at Victoria Police, um, a famously ethical organization. <laughs> um, and he used sock puppets, i.e. fake accounts, uh, to post racial slurs and homophobic threats in hundreds of posts, at least 70 of which were, quote, uh, sorry, which, quote, could be deemed offensive. <laughs> mm. uh, and we'll get that to some of those. That smells in a... like ethics to me. <laughs> yeah. That smells ethical as fuck from we, where we, I'm sitting. We, we'll get to some of them soon, kind of, but they're really generally too horrendous for us to even want to allude to very mm. detailedly. But we'll, we'll get to that a little bit more in a sec. But he also shitposed leaks of secret police info that, quote, risk damaging the integrity of investigations, and also about officers who are about to be fired after oh. disciplinary hearings. Which, uh, which is obviously more and more ethical the deeper we go. <laughs> it's, it's just it's ethics extremely on ethics. ethical. <laughs> this guy as well, I remember hearing him again on, on John Fain um, talking about a proposal to have an independent police ethics oversight committee. And he was like, we can't abdicate our responsibility to be ethical. If we give up on that, then there's no way that we're going to be able to do it. So we can't have someone else doing it. Otherwise, it won't... How are we going to be ethical? Exactly. Yeah. And when Uh it comes to ethics... Which, okay, wait a second. I'm the guy. Let me think about the concept of how police operate in relation to the law and the enforcement of that law. Anyway, that's fine. Um... So, uh, here's a quote from The Guardian's Ninobuchi. Ibak found Guerin's trolling... Sorry, that's Ibak, the uh, Victorian <laughs> equivalent of ICAC. Mm. Ibak found Guerin's trolling did not impact on his work. Despite the senior officer using information he received as part of his job to inform some of his comments and posting about matters in which he had a declared conflict of interest or was expected to make a disciplinary ruling. Ibeck did not find any evidence that his decision-making as assistant commissioner was compromised by any underlying beliefs or view, the report said. Now, this well, is... that settles that, then. 
That's good to know. They said it was I would fine. be worried that rampant, flagrant, racist posting would actually have an impact on your ethical outlook. But it turns out, NBD. I guess people who use vile, racist terms of abuse uh, definitely couldn't have any underlying views that might be informing, say, the uh, 40 times over-representation of African Australians in police arrests. No, it's it's apples and oranges here. Do you think you maybe know. his repeated jokes about sexual assault could reflect on some broad issues about how the police under his command deal with reports of sexual assault? I'm going to go with no, because those are just recreational jokes about sexual assault, you know, and his, prof- as very distinct from his professional life as somebody who has to deal with, with people who have been denying that sexual happens. assault. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to shout out Police Accountability Project, who wrote about this a bunch. Um, they wrote some articles about it and have some good tweets, and I'll post uh, a link to their website in mm. the show notes. But yeah, look, once again... These fucking anti-corruption agencies are fundamentally designed to let people off the hook while maintaining a pretense of cracking down. Mm. And one of the techniques of these, which, I, again, I talked about this uh, on Cam stream a bit, but, like, is that they kick the ball so far down the road um, that, like, nothing can Nobody come cares it. by the time, Nobody cares. like, a result comes out. N- literally, yeah. everyone has forgotten about Brett Guerin except like a couple of us angry lefty nerds mm. um and, and so, nobody like, listens to us yeah exactly so, <laughs> so it doesn't fucking matter yeah and like but ibeck is especially toothless as well i think yeah ibeck is especially bad is, but yeah yeah um but the the things that he said are so fucking horrible that yeah we really don't want to say any of them aloud on the stream you can go and google them but i thought zach maybe you could uh, read silently in your head a couple of these quotes, <laughs> okay, uh, and just give us your uh, your your off the top the the flavor reaction. without yeah. actually alluding to. I mean, any you, of the words that are said. If there are any sentences that you feel capable of saying aloud, you're welcome to. But uh, okay. don't right. you know? I'm scrolling down. <laughs> oh no. Oh man! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. So this is one this about is so bad reinstituting slavery and corporal punishment. <laughs> Jesus like, Christ! And so many jokes about sexual assault. Y- yeah. <sighs> oh there my is... god! This is really. I understand why you didn't want to read this stuff out. This really has the flavor of like. It's just private school boy humor from the fucking 1970s, and he just hasn't developed as a person well, at all since Well, that's not true. Then. He's been fucking promoted to head of police ethics. Zach, he's... Yeah, yeah, he got promoted, but he hasn't developed. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, this is real. This is disgusting. This stuff is really, 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 really bad. There is one in there that I'm is actually, not. Like, I didn't expect to be surprised Yeah, this, you know? Like... I thought, yeah, sure, I've seen a racist comment before. This is... Yeah, okay, as someone who spends a lot of time, uh, like, doing emotional self-harm by reading Nazi threads on Facebook, um, this is really bad. This is on, this is some next level shit. Um, there is one hilarious one in there, however. Um... 
you... the one about the national anthem <laughs> yeah. must never be improvised. It must always be sung by a male, a baritone, and accompanied by a band. No argument, no opinion, just fact. Which, like, what is kind Does of like, funny in the context of like right before it are three three of the most horrendously offensive things that I've ever seen in text. Yes. And followed by a few more of same. Yeah. One of which was also, um, like, impugning a colleague and the Supreme Court, um, which just good police ethics stuff going on there. Yeah. And then there's a little bit more racial slurs to, uh, to round it out. So, um... Fucking hell. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. <laughs> but don't worry, everyone. He's getting off scot-free. No crimes. Yeah, luckily none of that affected any of his decision-making. I don't know how this will come across in, in the edit, given that you and I were both looking at this stuff and everyone else wasn't, but hopefully you you can all at least appreciate our deep shock. Yeah, I would advise not looking up these comments. Mm. <laughs> that would be my advice. Yeah. Uh, cool. Anyway, uh, now it's time for Fashy Australia, in which we discuss some sort of fashy adjacent stuff and some other stuff that's like maybe not so fashy, but that's okay. You know, every story has to go with a sting sometime. So anyway, I want to talk a little bit about the internet and the government and the ways that the government is doing things to the internet. And specifically, I want to talk about three main pieces of legislation that are in uh, and underway in okay. in the air <laughs> circling the drain of uh internet <laughs> regulation. So, we've got three main pieces. We've got the Online Safety Act, uh which is restricts the material that uh we're going to be able to access online. We've got the government's proposed changes to privacy laws, which are going to require social media platforms to verify users' ages. And then we've also okay. got the proposed changes to defamation law that would hold social media platforms mm -hmm. liable for defamatory comments made on their services. Mm -hmm. So let's start with the Online Safety Act. We've discussed this a couple of times yep. in quite a bit of detail on previous episodes of the show. I believe in the episode Begale... <laughs> Bagalian versus Bredator, which is <laughs> good job, us. And um, I believe also the episode Snackable Taste Theory. Um, it sure would be a shame if we ever talked about something serious on this show and needed yeah. to refer to a previous occasion that we discussed it. <laughs> It'd be really embarrassing. But to sum it up, so this is a government bill that passed in June with uh, the support of both Labour and Pauline Hanson, so uh... you know it's good. And this is coming in... Uh, from January beginning next year. Uh, sorry, but Adam Bant drinks the wrong beer, so... That is very true. <laughs> Go on. Totally the opposite <laughs> of Bob Hawke. Um, so there's there's a fucking shitload of stuff in this bill. Uh, I don't have time to cover it all. There's yep. basically introducing these massive sweeping powers for um, an unelected bureaucrat <gasps> called the um, EC. They're always Commission. so much worse than our elected yeah. people who are great. Yeah. Uh, weird that I haven't seen the IPA complaining about this. Although, look, maybe they haven't, I just haven't seen it. But yeah, yeah I don't know. Silence from the usual free speech defenders on this one. But yeah, basically, um, this bill gives the, on the, the e-safety commissioner, and that's a lowercase e, um, just in case you were wondering how up-to-date the internet <laughs> culture um, was 
with the energy books the about surfing the web 1994 energy there. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, so it gives powers to the safety commissioner um, in a bunch of different ways. But sort of the, the the really big one is that it gives the safety commissioner the ability to require age verification according to the e-safety commissioner's own standards for any yeah. material that be that would be rated um, R eighteen plus according to Australia's classification system. So okay. basically, when the e-safety commissioner says I require age verification. What that entails is totally up to the e-safety commission. Right. And some of the things that have been floated as like possible yeah, ways yeah, for yeah. people to prove their identity include fucking fingerprinting and facial recognition, which is not good. No That's thanks. It's not good. Yeah. Um, and we've also spoken quite a bit about how this is yeah. very obviously going to first and foremost affect sex workers because... Yeah. Basically, the commissioner will have the ability to issue takedown notices for any kind of uh, sexual content that they deem, you know, uh, like should be classified material, and they can issue massive, massive fines to platforms that don't respond. Mm-hmm. So the outcome of this is going to be that sites are going to start to automatically, algorithmically exactly. get rid of anything remotely sexual. That's right. Um, regardless of whether or not it's harmful at all. And so the, obviously the first people in the firing line are going to be sex workers. And we've yep. seen this already happen uh, in the US with Sesta Foster, mm-hmm. where, you know, Craigslist and Batcave Which of course also spilled down. over here. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, really the, the first and most important reason to oppose this bullshit legislation. Mm. But of course there are a bunch of other people who are going to be affected by this. Great. Sex educators, uh, you know, queer communities, artists, mm-hmm. you know, anybody who wants to show a nipple yep. uh, online. Uh, and there's no recourse in this legislation for individuals to appeal these takedown notices or whatever. The, the platforms can. But have you ever tried to get in touch with Instagram before? <laughs> I have tried to get in touch with Facebook before. I How did, did not succeed. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. There you go. Um, the bill also gives the e-safety dis- uh, commissioner discretion to decide what is, quote, offensive, including what is classified as, quote, abhorrent violent material yeah. and digital human rights activists have expressed concern that this could include just for example footage of police violence so there's like huh. that like the scope yeah and, uh, and level of discretion in this bill is so broad yeah that it's like um, it's going to in a single swoop basically completely dismantle the ability of sex workers to make money online and also potentially provide an opportunity for the government to censor like political yeah. material that they yeah. don't want people to see. Like, well, the other thing is that you know I, they've been talking about. Oh well, the e-safety commission is Julian Munn Grant, and she's great, and she doesn't hate sex workers more than the average it's government official. appointee. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you've got nothing to worry about, and it's like, well. I'd have less to worry about if she didn't have the power to... Well, yeah, that's fucking right, for one thing. <laughs> we could worry about her less, yeah. But um, the, but also, like, she's going to be there for the next three and a half years, and then it will be whoever it is next. <laughs> like, yeah. that's not a reassuring comment. Yeah, and that, like, you know, it's not just the discretion with the commissioner, it's this idea mm. of, like, you know, what kind of... Uh, identity verification that they're going to require yeah, and what are yeah. the privacy ramifications yeah. of that, you know, especially with, you know, the Australian government does not have a good track record when it comes to building technology. Yeah. So anyway, 
we've, uh, as I say, you know, we've discussed that in detail in previous episodes, but you can check out if you want more info. Uh, but in short, this is a really broad law setting up totally non-transparent processes to give the government a huge amount of control over what we'll be able to access online, and it's not good. That Moving sounds on. bad. That sounds bad. Uh, moving on to the next thing that's happening. These are uh, government's proposed changes to privacy law. And these were uh, a draft legislation for this was released by uh, Michaelia Cash, who is our attorney general, which is just so special to read yes. that and be reminded of it. Um, yeah, I feel like we haven't talked about her for a while, which no. is sort of, you know, kind of a shame. She's been a, you know, a high performing shit content post. producer. Yeah, yeah. Machine. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, so, uh, she basically said around that the, the idea of these laws is to protect children from harmful tracking, profiling, and targeted marketing. So the idea of this is that social media platforms will be required to verify the age of users and get parental consent for children to sign up to their platforms mm -hmm. and stop sharing users' personal information if requested. So the stick that the government is, uh, Proposing for this is fines of up to $10 million for serious privacy breaches. And this, this would be things like, for example, the Cambridge Analytica scandal. Right, right. Uh, which people might remember from a couple of years ago. Um, heaps of Facebook users' private information was sold and then used to influence voters uh, in, the 2020, uh, in the 2016 election. Um, and, yeah, some people argue that it you know, had a hand in Trump getting elected. And the Australian government is actually currently suing Facebook over Cambridge Analytica. Um, Facebook hmm. tried and failed to claim that they didn't conduct business in Australia, which, haha. Um, so that's still ongoing. Um, but all in all, this particular bit of like proposed changes to legislation doesn't seem too bad to me. Aside, look, the age verification sure. stuff is tricky because you know we know <clears> that <throat> that provides you know lots of barriers to people who don't have access to things that might the government recognizes as official identification uh, as well as obviously you're introducing another privacy concern right where, by know, providing those details yeah exactly yeah. which is like seems like the opposite of the the you know what this bill is about but at the same time facebook and instagram we know we, and mm. they know uh <laughs> that it's fucking terrible for children really really bad um and you know the like the idea of needing parental consent for kids to get onto these platforms. Look, sure. I don't know if it's a terrible idea. Happy for people to give me the perspective, get to to present alternate perspectives yep. to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this one doesn't seem particularly heinous, in, especially in comparison to the online safety bill, which is like right. super broad and uh, also is targeted have... in reactionary ways. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whereas this really seems to be aimed at uh, the social media platforms themselves. And, like, in general, I'm in favor of regulating yeah. big social media companies. The government's least bad thing is consistently the fact that they accidentally got into a fight with Facebook and Google. Yeah, um, and a bunch it, of times. It results yeah. in them accidentally and for petty reasons doing good things or better than average for them things. Yes. And look, I, I'm happy to see Australia at the vanguard of, like, trying to regulate Great. these companies. Yeah, um, do it. But, yeah, like, go for it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's also the coalition, so it's like, you know, we might find we'll out. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, we, we, we'll, we'll see. And then the, la- the third bit of legislation I wanted to touch on is the online, is this online defamation bill, uh, official name, social media, parentheses, basic expectations, defamation, close parentheses, bill. So this is a private member's bill from Nationals MP Ann Webster, um, which, yes, there is a Nationals MP called Ann Webster. Welcome to our politics podcast. Last year, Webster was awarded over $800,000 in a defamation case mm-hmm. against a woman who posted comments and videos claiming that Webster and her husband were part of the pedophile ring. Okay. Um, I haven't looked into it too deeply, but it seems to be, you know, very QAnon-adjacent shit. Sure. Um, so, and, and when that happened, Webster at the time was like, I am going to do some legislation about this, because this sucked for me. Uh, and so she's now brought this private member's bill which uh, proposes to make social media platforms jointly liable for defamatory comments alongside the person who made them. Um, So, and and also uh, will allow a federal minister to quote, set basic expectations of a social media platform on how defamatory posts are hosted online. So again, you've got that Mm -hmm. very broad, vague remit here, which is troubling. Um, And, there's, you know, the, whether or not it's fair to hold, you know, Facebook or Instagram or whomever mm-hmm. accountable for defamatory comments is, I don't know, a debate I don't feel particularly well equipped to get into. Sure. This yep. is, you know, something that, um, you know, is kind of being discussed elsewhere with the Dylan Voller case, for example. I mean, sure. that's already in effect now. The the Was it the High Court or the Supreme Court? I can't remember which. Um, but it's been ruled that um, media organizations are liable for the comments posted under their posts. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, We talked about that a month ago or something. Yeah. So this is kind of, yeah, a continuation of some of those same ideas, but from my perspective, this law seems to be very explicitly just about protecting politicians' feelings. Now, the, what Anne Webster went through with this person accusing her of being a right, pedophile, right. that's fucking awful. But and, she already got a $800,000 defamation award out of it, which yes. sounds like it probably, like, everything worked as intended there. Yeah, I, I don't know if we need to sort of, like, strengthen protection for people criticizing politicians online. And, you know, look, that was obviously not a fair criticism. The sure, yeah, found yeah, it yeah. was a totally spurious I mean, that's accusation. the kind of thing that, again, I, I don't know anything about the specifics, but, like, mm. that sounds like a pretty good defamation case to have gone through. Like, we always complain about defamation law being too strong here, and it mm. is, and that sounds like the kind of thing that, should be suable for defamation. Yeah, it's I think the that's things probably fair. It's more, yeah. you know, but the things that we need to worry about are, you know, the case that Peter Dutton has yes. underway at the moment, yes. suing a, a refugee advocate ben Robert for calling Smith. him a rape, oh, well, I mean, rape apologist. He... Ben Robert Smith, Andrew Lamming, Christian Porter. Yep. These are the kinds of guys yep. that I reckon yep. will be eyeing off this legislation and rubbing their fucking hands together. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, and in all of these cases, it really consists of politicians wanting to sue people for fucking insulting them on Twitter. Yeah. And I don't think that we need legislation that makes that easier to do. Agreed. <laughs> Call me old fashioned. Um, but look, it's unclear at this stage whether or not the government is going to adopt this bill because it is a private member's bill. It wasn't yeah, yeah, bought yeah. by the coalition as a whole, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me if they did adopt it, considering that Scott Morrison recently called social media, quote, a coward's palace. 
So that doesn't sound like the words of someone who doesn't want to introduce. Again, he's just mad at Facebook and <laughs> like doesn't yeah, really give a fuck at how he gets revenge. That, yeah, look, I, I'm not, and you know, again, not really trying to shade Ann Webster here. Although no, I'm no, sure no, no, that no. as a Nationals MP, that there is <laughs> just, plenty to criticize <laughs> yeah. him for. Um, no, but I, I'm yeah, I'm really I'm trying to throw more of that shade at Lamming Dutton. Yeah. Uh, Porter and Morrison, who were clearly just upset that people are allowed to insult them on public forums. Yeah. Which, um, I don't know, sounds to me like that's good for democracy, but hey. Hey, uh, you guys all suck. Don't yeah. sue me. So, I guess, uh, to sum up here, you know, the government is sort of slowly moving on trying to regulate the internet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that stuff is moving in a really bad direction. Um, but the stuff that's about regulating social media organizations, I is feel at least somewhat valuable. Yeah, I think that you know regulating them in a general sense is is good. But you know, I, I'm not nowhere near expert enough on these kinds of like, yeah, yeah, on this stuff. This to policy offer. specifics, yeah, exactly. Um, but I'd be interested to hear your opinion, listener, if you know about this stuff and you've got uh, concerns yeah. or whatever. Uh, send us a potluck. Record yourself. Record a minute or so of yourself um, speaking about an issue, email it to us at contact at OzPulseSnackPod.com. We'd love to hear from you. Cool. Okay. Shall we well, move on to now to our mains now? Yeah. So our main story this week is about Nat Zero Carbonara. Um, this has been the, <laughs> uh, the, get it, Carbonara, everybody? Oh, it's yeah. a food pun political Australia podcast. Right. Yeah, hell yeah, it is. Damn you, Apple banning <laughs> swears. No, um, yeah. So COP twenty six is coming up, which is the twenty sixth United Nations Climate Change Conference. COP stands for Conference of Parties. Um, so these are networking and diplomacy events where everyone gives speeches about what they're doing to help fight climate change or not, as the case may be. Um, and we're talking about this this week because, as I'm sure every one of our listeners uh, already knows, Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister, has signed a deal with the Nationals that nominally agrees to a net zero carbon by 2050 goal in exchange for literally unknown secret shit, presumably billions of dollars uh, in funding for you know rural shit uh and another cabinet seat that's the only thing that we know for sure is on the list is that one of their guys got a cabinet job mm. um so he basically got promoted to like top minister guy uh, yeah. which is a pay rise and also a power rise yeah um, they signed a deal putting the climate skeptic party in the position of more power Yep. As part of a deal to do something. Deal with climate change. Yeah, climate. exactly. Well, yeah. Well, that's not what it was. Something yeah. nothing about climate. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Makes you um, question their actual feelings and motivations, doesn't it? it what are you suggesting, Zach? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm sure they would have kept this secret, except it's literally impossible because they have to, like... You can't the, have a secret you, cabinet, secret cabinet <laughs> Exactly. They yeah. would if they could. They would if they could. They definitely would. Yeah. Um, So COP26 is happening in Glasgow, and this particular COP is a kind of a milestone one. They happen every year, except it didn't last year because of the pandemic. Um, But it's the first one where the so-called ratchet mechanism of the Paris Agreement kicks in. And the Paris Agreement was a deal that was signed at COP21 six years ago um, in Paris in 2015. 
which, amongst other things, said that every five years, countries have to ratchet up their climate ambitions. Um, and so this is one of the reasons that Morrison was so desperate to get this commitment from the Nets signed um, so that he could go and be like, look, we're doing something more than we said we were. Because um, he he's legally obliged to. <laughs> um, the other reason that he was desperate for this is that most liberal voters are fairly well off inner city moderates who believe in climate change and have never milked a cow or worked in a coal mine more to the point mm. um yeah um latte sippers in other words latte sippers exactly yeah. and they enjoy the benefits of coal and cow milking they will you catch sure them smearing coal dust on their face matt canavan style i don't think so yeah, so, you know, I'm sure everyone's heard about the plan, forgetting to net zero, the plan. Ooh, the plan. The plan. Oh, I love to hear about the plan. Tell, yeah, tell we me all more would, about Zach. the plan. <laughs> we all would. Um, I couldn't <laughs> actually find this when I was uh, doing the notes this morning. I think it was Karen Middleton said it on the party room this week, but mm. he said, Morrison said the plan something like 130 times in one press conference. <laughs> um, That's which political is, messaging. It is. Um, and... It's such a, like, I don't know, obvious attempt at misdirect because mm. there is no the plan, mm. people. But the more you mention the plan, the more real the plan seems. You and I are talk or not literally exists. talking about it right We've now. We've already <laughs> said the plan almost as many times as Scott Morrison <laughs> he did. did. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so for once I've been fully supportive of the poorly delivered sound bites from the ALP and the Greens. Um, All right, with, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, well, I didn't get them because they're poorly de delivered, but this is a quote from <laughs> Ban. Uh, Albo said similar things, but Ban said things like, This isn't a plan, it's climate fraud. There's no oh, new money, shit. no new policies, more coal and gas, and 2030 targets will cook our kids. Which, again. Shots fired all fully accurate yeah just kind of annoying yeah um but as i this time it's been less annoying because i'm like yeah that correct. is this is that's true this plan yeah. is a bunch of bullshit <laughs> yeah so there are no new policies or no new funding announced uh no actual plan and also as a lot of people have been pointing out there's no 2030 targets which means that there's no real there's effectively no 2050 targets no it's um, net zero by 2050 yeah. Um, There's just so, nothing in there about how we're going to do that. Well, there is. It's just that all of it is... Mm. So let me break down some of these emissions reductions we're gonna that we're going to be getting. We're going to get there by reducing our emissions. <laughs> that's, that's the plan. <laughs> it's the Australian way, we're Zach. He said that a lot as well. <laughs> through technologies. Uh -huh. yeah. Many okay. technologies. So 10 to 20% of reductions will come from offset credits. Which is to say, yeah, okay, so something I had forgotten about but was reminded of. Do you remember the Zach? Uh, Scott Morrison doing very nice in Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you remember that? It is, it's, it's sort of come back to me. When like you a, say, like yeah, a fucking flashback. Yeah, so um, he was saying the Labour Party's plan... This was just before the last election, by the way. It was pretty recent. He That's was the prime right. minister. Oh, the, yeah, he was prime minister. Yeah. Um, he said the, the Labour Party's plan for carbon credits will see Kazakhstani farmers getting millions of dollars and the Australian economy fading away. 
you know, I call this the Borat tax. And you know what those Kazakh people will say? Very nice. Um, okay, but now uh, they're doing that. Turn my body inside out. It's amazing that he made Borat more racist. <laughs> um, That's an accomplishment. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, so so that's ten to twenty percent of offsets. It's coming from carbon credits. I not actually changing what we're doing, but paying other people to grow trees, um, possibly in Kazakhstan. That's the best uh, kind of plan. Forty percent of reductions will come from specific technologies that don't exist yet or don't exist in sufficient ways. So the most effective one of these that they listed was carbon capture and storage, um, which famously is, reliable and yeah. Uh, financially feasible i i had a, a sensible chuckle reading an article from slate about uh technology that is always five to ten years away and carbon <laughs> no, capture and storage, storage has been five to ten years away since like the 1960s yeah um sounds like the kind of thing mark zuckerberg would be interested in yeah yeah um yes it's the case with a lot of technology that promises to fix social problems that don't require f- us to dealing actually with do anything about capitalism at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. So those are the specific technologies that we're going to be using. Uh, that's forty percent, and then another fifteen percent is from global technology trends. Oh, great! Uh, yeah. So, uh, look. Let me give you some more detail about that. And yeah. that's all coming direct from the plan, I assume. That's a direct quote, yeah. So um, that's somewhere between 60 and 80% of the 2050 emissions reductions that are fully fictional, basically. Okay, offset's okay. not fully fictional. They're, they're partial bullshit. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, but Off don't worry. Start. Don't worry. That remaining twenty to 40% is still heavily bullshit. Oh, and great. I, I, like, look, some of it is more solar panels. That's real. Um, But here's a quote from uh, The Guardian. Um, The Australia Institute said that the government had assumed that up to 4.5 tonnes of carbon dioxide could be stored per hectare of soil each year, when the published science suggests the upper limit in optimal conditions was about 1.8 tonnes per hectare. So that's like a third. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So they're just like, okay... So we'll do things three times better than the most optimistic possible options. And, like, in real numbers here, I assume that we're talking about millions of tons Millions well. of tons, yeah. Like, so that's quite a big... You know, the difference between 1.8 and 4.5 might not be that big, but the difference in millions... Yeah, it's the difference between, like... Little, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot. Quick Don't maths. want to do any quick maths. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> get into some trouble there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that's that's the plan. You, that's that's what we have off well, the plan that I've I summarized. Feel great. And I think <laughs> yeah. this is going to be super well received. At the oh, International Climate Change Conference. <laughs> We're going to be even better received than that because Andrew Taylor has, quote, declared he will use the climate summer in Glasgow to promote Australia as a good place to invest in fossil fuel projects. God. He's I literally going to be I like even schmoozing laugh. people there to be like invest in our gas fields. This it, shit it, is so fucking embarrassing. Yeah. 
I um I know you love uh PK Patricia Carvel as Zach. And this week on Friday there was the the Friday rap, which they do every Friday. Cool. Um and this week one of the guests was Christine Milne, um former leader of the Greens, and the other was some like sensible journalist man. And she was basically like he is going to be laughed at like a clown um, for uh, his presentation in Glasgow. And the other guy was like, yeah, uh, look, a lot of people are going with complete bullshit targets. So I don't know that he's going to be the pariah that some people might say, which I thought was some hilarious shade. But anyway, I'm hoping that he will be dunked on as he was last year. Um, so... Uh, it's it, it, like the the best we can hope for in the face of our government actively destroying our yeah. futures is that they get a little bit embarrassed about it. Yep, that's sort of like <clears throat> that. The boys won't have a drink with them afterwards. That's our. That's the most ambitious climate target we can set. For I mean, ourselves. it's the same. Angus shit Taylor as gets a bit red faced. Gladys Berejiklian. And it's the same shit as Brett Guerin. You know, this is literally Australia's best response to everything is, don't worry, we have personally embarrassed one person somewhat related to this problem. This is pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I thought maybe before we finish off, I might talk about a couple of the things that we should be doing to deal with climate change. Please do. Um, don't want to go into a huge amount of detail. We've talked about it elsewhere. Go look at Beyond Zero Emissions. Um, but we should have uh, indigenous-led land management and environment policy as pretty much a basic starter for everything across the board, but yeah. especially environment and climate-related stuff. We should reinstitute a carbon tax. There is my favorite graph of all time, the McKinsey Carbon Abatement Graph, um, which is a full carbon zero policy suite in a 1000 pixel rectangle um but you need a carbon tax for it to work uh we need micro generation and uh micro grids um yep. we need house refits to massively increase insulation and passive heating and cooling systems but noon that will create many many jobs Oh no! Well, Kevin Rudd did it once badly, and therefore we can never it consider can never doing it again. again. Yeah, mm. uh, we need to stop doing land clearing and urban sprawl and start building our cities vertically. Ah, so you hate hamburgers <laughs> and yeah, and driving. We need to phase that out doesn't sound livestock very Australian to me. and we need an EV industry. Literally, my next two notes. Uh, we need to fund industrial drawdown projects and not uh, NGO-style tree planting projects. Mm. Um, that might look like paying former cow farmers to grow vast fields of hemp, which they then pyrolyze into charcoal and berry. That would be one example, but it needs to be on an industrial scale. Um, and potentially criminalizing... Being a climate criminal. Being a, a fucking intergenerational yeah. death I, machine. We just need a little bit of legislation to be passed by the parliament to, to make hold themselves all of themselves <laughs> retrospectively criminals. Accountable yeah. for all of the human misery and pain 
that they are actively inflicting on not just the citizens of this country, but, but many, the entire many countries. World. Yeah. 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 So anyway, there you go. That's my policy suite uh, for, I like for climate it. change. Thanks, I'm man. I'm going to be honest, yeah. Noon. I prefer yours to the government's. <laughs> they should I'm send giving me. you the win. You've heard it here on Ospol Snack Pod. <laughs> We're better at policy than the literal government, and it's not even a fucking it's joke. Literally, it's not, not a, joke. a joke at all. Cool. All right. Uh, why don't we very quickly do the next of several shit posts of the week? This one is another one from friend of the show, Chat Dad Alex. Big shouts. Shout Two outs. weeks in a row. One of several shit posts of the week. That's a good record. And, you know, I said before that the most ambitious climate target that we could set is um, Angus Taylor feeling a little bit sad mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At, at COP26. But Alex has actually suggested... Uh, an even more powerful climate policy. An even better climate policy, which is net zero by 2030. <laughs> Our ambitious plan for a target of zero national MPs by 2030. And yeah. look... As far it's as quality meme as well. This is like a clash, classic nationals photo of like an industrial wheat harvester industrially harvesting <laughs> wheat, and then a, a photo of a bunch of the shittest nationals. Yeah, and they're all crossed out. <laughs> crossed out. It's really good. It's good shit. It's a good pun. It's uh, it well is. executed. It's topical. Visually. It's topical. It's just a good meme. We're going to put it on the cover of this episode because we like it so much. And uh, we agree. We co-sign this this plan. Yeah, yeah. We'll add that to my previously stated climate targets. 20% of nationals reductions is going to come from getting other people elected in national seats. (laughs) The other 80%. (laughs) We're not entirely sure. Uh, Yeah, 20% from global voting trends. Yep, yep. Yep. 40% is going to come from unspecified deaths. (laughs) And uh, the remainder, we actually think that we can get the average number of Nats MPs per seat held by the Nationals down to about zero point, about a third of the current average. What I love about this plan is that it just feels like such a solid plan. You know what I mean? It's, it's legitimately a lot more specific than the government's claim. <laughs> That's a fucking electoral goal, my friend. All right. All right, that's enough political comedy for one day. Let's stop jerking ourselves off. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Scott Morrison does like to meet and beat targets. And we here at Ospel Snack Pod, we like to beat our meat when it comes to political comedy. Glad that came, uh, let me check, a cool 82 minutes in. So everyone who's going to care or be offended by that, it's already checked out. All right, let's, Zach, I'm waiting on you to play the show ending noises. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have power let's, over that let's uh I'll, I'll make that happen for you <laughs> if you want a podcast you gotta do a lot of shit it's not technically podcasting you still gotta do that shit i love that extra long sting it's so long <laughs> that, that it's supposed to <laughs> supposed to make supposed to like hide this segment and just actually <laughs> extends it by 15 seconds instead Follow us on all the social media, please. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're at Ozpol Snackpot and all of those things because no one else has such bad ideas for handles. Um, <laughs> please rate and review us on Apple 
podcasts, give us five stars. Please follow us. Subscribe on, on Spotify. Uh, comment on all of our posts. Haha, <laughs> so true. Because um, it makes people see them. Uh, but yeah, also you can you can support us on Patreon. If you give us $1 a month, you get a monthly bonus episode. This week, uh, this month, today, <laughs> where it released, it's already out by the time that you're listening to this. Oh, yes. Um, yep is a spooktastic, spooktober, spookoween episode where we watched an Australian horror film called Long Weekend, which we quite enjoyed. Yeah. Um, we were going to do an episode about polyamory, but we're going to do that next month instead. Um, there's nothing spookier than open relationships. But, uh, uh, you know, we thought we'd do a true. horror movie. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of the business section, I want to sh- send a big shout out to Ben HR, who left Woo-hoo-hoo. us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, Ben. It's a really great way to support the show if you don't want to or can't give us money, um, because it helps us a lot with people seeing the show, but also it makes us feel good. Yeah, it makes line go up, and it makes mood makes go up. heart yeah. go up, yeah. This review is titled, Good Chat About Politics from a More Genuine Left Nonpartisan Perspective. Five stars. Despite having Ozpol in the name, there's nothing hashtag Ozpol about this. Oh, <laughs> nice. Thanks, Great discussions about the stupid political stunts of the week and how they might affect, you know, actual humans rather than horse race nonsense. I really appreciate the respect for and focus on First Nations. Just listen. You'll like it. Oh, Thank thanks, you, Ben. Man. That's really lovely. We like you. And now I'm going to play a different sting. Here it is. Now it's time for a pop game. That's a good That's brief. That you know? is impactful. Yeah. Has Joe Howling love it. Ah, uh, yeah. Shouts, Joe. Um, What's been up with, uh, with oh, Dante this week? You put me on the fucking spot. Oh, There's okay, no I way I could have predicted that you were going to ask me what my dog has been up to this week. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I know what Bagel's been up to. If you, I mean, my sort of fallback <laughs> option for Dante is uh, he that he just smells so fucking bad. Mm. because he hates getting barred and we haven't been legally allowed to to get the mobile dog wash van to come to our house mm-hmm. but he's booked in nice. uh, i think for two weeks from now but yesterday we went for a walk and i thought that i had found the perfect gap in the rain and i was wrong and we got really really wet and dante gets very weird in the rain because he hates yeah, water yeah. but also he loves being out of the house more than anything else Huh. And so it just makes him generally like sort of jumpy and confused. Resentful, yeah, yeah. Not even resentful so much as just like, ah, ah, I don't like this. I think, but also now I'm totally wet. And there's nothing I can do about it. So I guess I'm just going to sniff stuff more intensely now. Does he have an adorable jacket? No, no, um, because no, no, he doesn't have a highly absorbent fur. It's, it's pretty. Yeah, he's a short hair boy. Yeah. Um, and when I got him home, he, he actually seems to really like um, a really mm, rough towel, towel down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bagel too. He loves it. He loves yeah. um, pushing his face into anything and then getting tangled up on it. Whenever yeah. I'm changing my bed sheets, he'll like get up in the ones that I've just taken yeah. off in the in the fitted sheet. Mm. What do you reckon that's about? Uh, it's like pets, but also funny. Yeah, yeah that's you know? true. I mean, I, I feel like I used to like it when my parents would like towel dry my hair. When, you know, when I was sort of a shake kid, your head around a little bit. I used to love getting lost. Um, didn't happen that often, but uh, sometimes, you know, I'm talking like four or five, you know, having nap time or whatever. I would put the blankets on and close my eyes and like 
squiggle around, it'll turn around as many times as I could <laughs> under the bed, and then try and like listen and figure which way the rest of my room was, <laughs> and then like I would you know put out an arm to test it in one direction. Oh, mm. that was that different wall instead, um, and that's kind of the level that I think Bagel enjoys. He's kind of like in this little like blanket fort thing. It's an experience. But, yeah. Yeah. And it is kind of just like getting a pat. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he's now slightly less stinky. Good. Oh, yeah. we got washed by rain. Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Um, uh, we had this big storm in Melbourne this week, which we didn't really talk about, but um, it fully broke our back fence and gate, mm. um, which... I didn't realize it was banging all night and I thought it was our bins. And I was like, there's no point in getting up and closing the lid of the bin in this wind. It will open again Flap or open fall again. over again. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. And then I got up at like, you know, seven in the morning and it was actually our huge metal gate that had been like, yeah. So I don't know if it was like, a, yeah, it's probably pretty loud. Sorry, everyone. But um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I spent a while jamming it shut again so that I could let Bagel out for a wee, basically. Um, but our landlord came over uh, to fix it, uh, which was, was good. He's an anti-vaxxer. And oh. um, so I was standing quite far away from him. Uh, and he was yelling at me perfectly pleasantly about, oh, yeah, fucking wind, mate. And, Yes. Um, yes. And Bagel was screaming back. It was like roughly one meter away, but with a wall between them. Mm. He was freaking the fuck out. Anyway, I went in and um, sat with him, and he was super chill, actually. And he just like watched me for like an hour while this guy did the rest of his stuff um, and was clearly a bit alarmed. But then when we went for a walk afterwards, he was so well behaved. And I thought it was going to be really like upsetting. And every time dogs mm. get upset, their threshold drops. Yeah. Um, but in this case, it was actually really good practicing him being below threshold and paying attention to me. Um, and so then when we went out on a walk, he was like really fucking good. And it was one mm. of the best behaved walks I've had in ages. So that was wow. a really nice surprise. That's great. When I was expecting the opposite. So, what a good yeah. boy. Yeah, what a good boy. All right. Yeah, Dante did get a bit spooked by the storm. It's true. Yeah, bagel we too, let him yeah. sleep in our yeah. room. Yeah, which cute. we don't normally do. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he kept trying to sort of hide under my desk, and there's just no room under there uh-huh. <laughs> for my legs and him <laughs> at the same time. Uh-huh. So yeah, it was a little bit of a struggle, but he's okay. He's re- yeah. fully recovered and, and back to being his cheeky self. All right, that's gonna do us. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. An extra long one this week. Um, you know. Sorry, but also some of you like it, so hey. Yeah, you know, you're welcome. Yeah, you, no worries. <laughs> that's um, a good. That's a good neutral. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, cheers very much for tuning in. We'll Thanks. catch you next week for um, more news and no, stuff. No, we won't next week. No. Um, no. Next week we're going to be doing an interview because Zach's going to be away. I'm going to be interviewing someone. Should be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Tune in for a, a special episode, um, and I will catch you in a fortnight. Keep it staying in three well. Fuck Brett Guerin, crunch crunch. Fuck that guy. Oh. Don't look him up. <laughs>